What's going on, Hope City? Now, uh, I hate to break it to you, but first service was a little more lively than that. And usually they tell me it's the opposite way, but how's it going, Hope City? All right, there we go. Hey, as Ann said, I am Thomas. I am the uh, student director here at Hope City. So I'm super excited to be able to be up here this morning and open the word and and, and speak to you guys um, from what God has shown me. Um, We're going to be continuing in our Revive series about finances. Before we really dive into anything, um, my wife and I have been going through the Financial Peace University class. Um, And as part of this class, um, we had to take a moment of our time and kind of go through this little questionnaire quiz to figure out who the nerd in our relationship was and who the free spirit was. Um, And of course, I ended up being the free spirit. And so we had to do this thing where we sat down and budgeted. And and my only job was to show up to this budget meeting because talking about finances um, is, is not super fun for me. I like to just like ignore it. And so before we really start talking about anything like that, I just wanted to share some funny memes with you guys this morning. We cool with that? All right, so we got this one here. Mom, can I get $20, please? The mom says, does it really look like I'm made of money, son? The son says, well, isn't that what M-O-M stands for? We got another one here. I'm one step away from being rich. All I need now is money. Yeah, it's good. I decided to go on a road trip and not come back until I ran out of money. I walked to the end of the driveway and back couple more here. What's the quickest way to double your money? Fold it in half. Uh, We got one more for you this morning. I have enough money to live comfortably for the rest of my life if I die by next Tuesday. So hopefully uh, it won't be as bad talking about that this morning, but just want to make sure you guys are awake. Uh, Back in 2010, a man by the name of Forrest Fenn, he is a New Mexican art dealer, wrote an autobiography And in his autobiography, he shared about a treasure that he hid somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Um, The treasure was left there. It was a a chest that contained almost $2 million worth of coins and jewels. Um, And he said it was hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. And the only clue that he left was a 24-verse poem. And so this poem goes through and it gives you clues as to where this treasure might be. And this sparked this like major treasure hunt. People from all over the world, all over the country went and searched. In 2016, the number was already 65,000 people that had gone looking for this treasure. Fenn wanted people to get out with their family and their friends to just kind of explore nature. He wanted them to go and see the beauty of the Rocky Mountains and give them something to look forward to. And so people went and searched, and it was reported that at least five people have died in the search for this treasure. Authorities tried to tell him to call off the treasure hunt, to just pick it up and just say it was over. Um, But he continued to tell them that it was in a place that a 70-year-old man could get to. And so I don't want to be the spoiler of the story, but the treasure was actually found this year. A man emailed Forrest Fenn, because I guess that's a way to tell somebody you found their treasure, but he emailed him and told him a very like intricate location that he found it. Now, it's, no one is 100% sure, but the, they think that it was found in Wyoming, and they're not telling us who found it. 
probably for the better. But I, I want to I do something with us this morning. As I said, I'm the student pastor, and so on Wednesday nights, um, I like to make our lessons very interactive. We like to discuss things. I want our students to be able to hear from each other. I want them to be able to hear from me so we can learn together. And so sometimes we ask deep questions that they try to wrestle with together. Sometimes we ask a little bit more fun questions. And so this morning, as we're diving in, I'm going to ask you to try to be like our students, or maybe even better. I don't know if you can do it. But I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to have 30 seconds that's going to pop up on the screen, and I want you to answer this question. So if you're in, in person with us or if you're online, uh, comment in the section uh, what you would do, but here's the question. If you were to have found Forrest Fenn's treasure, what would you have done with it? Okay, so discuss with the people around you, leave in the comment section online. Ready, set, go. Let me hear, what would you have done? Just shout it out. Invest. Invest. All right, what else? Tithe. All right, what else? Retire. Yeah. Pay out of the house. College account. Anybody doing anything fun with it? Buying a car, buying a beach house. Okay, cool. Great, I love it. The first service, they said they would continue to work. And I was like, that's it? That's all you got for me? Um... Anyway, you did a great job. There's going to be another opportunity for that later in the service. But as we continue, we're going to be continuing talking about our finances. And I have one question for you that I really want you to be thinking about as we go through this whole service. And the question is, where are you storing your treasure? Where are you storing your treasure? We referred to it a couple weeks ago, but in Matthew chapter 6... Um, Verses 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. A couple of weeks ago, Scott asked us this question to wrestle with. Where is our heart? Because it says that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And so we're asking a similar question this morning of of where am I storing my treasure? And then last week, Scott talked about our church having the core value of generosity and what it looks like to live generously, to be a cheerful cheerful giver. And so this week, we're going to continue down the same path of our finances um, and what it looks like to potentially store up our treasure in heaven, to have a more kingdom-focused mindset on what we do with our money. And so we're going to look at two different stories. We're going to kind of compare and contrast. And then from there, hopefully it'll give us a better or a clearer picture of what it looks like to store up treasure in heaven. Um, But before we do, we're just going to pray. And whatever, whatever the Lord is leading us to this morning, we're just going to ask that we are open to receive that, that our hearts are ready. Um, And so let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning and just the opportunity to be in this place. 
with friends and family, but God, most importantly, we are thankful to be in your presence. God, we know that if we came here and you weren't a part of it, it wouldn't matter. And so God, we, we pray that your presence be more evident than ever. God, speak to our hearts. Help us to hear what it is that you have for us this morning. Help our eyes to be open. Help our ears to be open. And just allow us to meet with you in a new and a fresh way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our first story comes from the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible with you, feel free to turn. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. If you want, you can pull it up on your phone because that's cool too. Um, But I'm just going to give you a little background for those of you that are turning there. Um, Jesus is out and he's teaching. He does that quite often in the Gospels. And it says that there's a crowd of thousands of people that have gathered. So it wasn't a very COVID safe environment. It doesn't tell us if they were wearing masks, but there was thousands of people gathered to the point where people were being trampled. And so he's teaching and then something happens. So we're in Luke chapter 12, um, starting in verse 13. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to him, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, if I was up here teaching and somebody in the crowd this morning shouted out for me to be a middleman in an argument they were having with their brother or sister... I probably wouldn't react as good as Jesus did. Now, it says like in here that the man shouted out, um, and a lot of biblical scholars have tried to figure out, you know, why would this have been such a significant point? Like, what's happening with the brothers? Some people think that the brother that is shouting out has been wronged, and he's trying to just get the inheritance for himself. Some people think that he's trying to take advantage of his brother and get it Um, for himself anyway but any either way he wants Jesus to be the middleman he wants him to come in between he wants him to pick a side and we know that Jesus sees that there is much deeper issue than that and he says that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions your life is not about what you own It's not about what you own. It's not about what you have. And Jesus makes that point clear. They were trying to catch him in the middle of this dispute, wanting the inheritance. But Jesus knew that it was more than that. He wasn't going to pick a side because he knew and he wanted us to hear that life is not about what we own. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. There's a famous poem that people read a lot of the times at funerals. It's called The Dash. And in this poem, it talks about your birthday and your death day. But really it focuses on the dash that is in between. You see, on your gravestone, you have your birth date, and then you have a dash, and then you have the day that you pass. And so the poem talks about how life consists in that dash. 
Everything that happens from the moment you're born until the moment you leave is in that dash. And so one of the phrases in there, I love it. It says, for it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, or the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. Your life is not about what you own. But then Jesus continues the story and he tells him this parable. It says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. <clears throat> he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. We look at this story that Jesus tells us, and it looks like this guy, this man, who we find out is a rich fool, has his life together. Everything looks like it's going his way. His crops produce this abundant harvest to the point where what he had to store them in was too small. And so he decided he was going to tear down his barns and build up bigger ones and save so that he could retire. And on the surface, it seems like a great plan. If the story ended there, everyone's like, oh, okay, like, great. That's a great example. But that's not what we see in the story. And instead, we see that God comes to the man and says, tonight you die and your barn full of goods, who gets it? Jesus says, this is what life is like for those who are not rich towards God. And if we look back at the story, we can see the real heart of the problem. And we look at what the man says in the story. What shall I do? I will tear down my barns. I will store my surplus. The man was focused on himself and what he could do. There's a scripture back in Isaiah where we see somebody else trying to build upon this kingdom of I or selfishness. It's in Isaiah chapter 14, um, starting in verse 12, and it's titled The Fall of Lucifer or the fall of the devil. Verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. When we focus on ourselves, we're missing the point. We're missing how the kingdom operates. As believers, in James chapter 1, we see that it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. 
Every good and perfect gift is from God. The fact that this man's harvest was so good was not because he did anything spectacular to make it happen. He wasn't the one that caused the soil to be fertile. He wasn't the one that caused the crops to grow. But what he chose to do was focus on himself. He focused on storing up his earthly treasure instead of being rich towards God, instead of storing his treasure in heaven. I remember when my wife and I were first married, we were living off a youth pastor's salary and student loans. And for those of you that don't know, that doesn't really add up too well. Um, we were, she was still in school at the time, and we had a lot of bills that were coming in, insurance bills. We had to pay for a water pump for our car. And I remember throughout this whole season of our life thinking, like, man, I just need, we just need to keep it. We need to keep what we can so that if there's an emergency or something breaks down or we have a bill to pay, like, we just need to hold on to it. Giving 10% away to the church or giving more away than that just seemed kind of like a really bad financial plan. I mean, it would make sense for us to hold on to it because eventually there was going to be a bill or there was going to be something that came up that we would need that money for. Because most of the time when those things came up, we were paying for it out of her student loans. We were living off this borrowed money just to get by. But we continued to try to give to God. It wasn't easy at first. There, were, there was definitely times when we were stressed out about what was going to happen. How are we going to continue to live how we wanted to live? How are we going to eat some of those months? But God continued to provide for us. And it wasn't always financial, but trusting God allowed us to live, and it was, it was fine. But I know that there was part of me that just wanted to hold on to every little bit that I could. I was focused on what I could do and not trusting in what God was going to do. So the question we need to ask ourselves this morning, are we trying to build bigger barns? Or are we partnering with God? Are we looking at our finances from a kingdom perspective? Or are we only focused on the here and the now? So I have another question for you this morning. Okay, another 30 second timer is about to pop up. I mean, so we're gonna ask this question and it is, so what might it look like to live a life that is rich towards God? So what does it look like to live a life that is rich towards God? So if you're in person, again, this is the part where you're going to discuss with the people around you what you think it looks like before we dive into the rest of this scripture of what a life that looks rich towards God is. Or if you're online, we're asking you to type in the comments what you think it looks like to live a life that is rich towards God. You ready? Set? Go.
So we just saw a good example of what it looked like to not live rich towards God. But now we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, you can go and turn there. You can look it up on your phone. But in Mark chapter 12, we see that Jesus is out by the temple. He goes around there a lot to teach. But in this moment, in our story that we're about to read, Jesus is kind of people watching. He's just kind of hanging out, watching the people come and go from the temple. And so we're picking it up um, in verse 41. But it starts off like this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. It's a very simple story that we see. Jesus and his disciples are hanging out by the temple and he's watching as people come and give their tithe. They come and give out of their their money to God. And it says that many people came and gave large amounts. But none of that really caught Jesus' attention. He didn't call his disciples over to say, hey, look, all these people are are giving their tithe, right? It was this widow that caught his attention. And now I'm not an English person, I'm not a a math person, but we can see if we do some assuming, right, she only gave a few cents. And there's a point where it says these people gave large amounts. So a few cents to a large amount, right, if if I'm thinking through it correctly, there's no way that she could have really given more. But Jesus does this thing that I like to call dropping a Jesus bomb. So what he does is he'll, he'll teach something. He'll say something that is opposite of what normal life would look like. He'll say something that is very kingdom focused, like focused on how the kingdom of heaven operates. And so he called his disciples over and, and he says that this poor widow that gave only a few cents gave more than anybody else that came that day. And from a human perspective, an earthly perspective, that doesn't make sense. And so Jesus goes in and he continues to tell us why. But he tells us basically that it wasn't about the amount that she gave, but it was about the heart that she gave it with. When we are living generously, it's not about the amount that we give. It's about our heart. She gave out of her poverty. She gave out of what she needed to live on. She may have been worried about where her next meal was coming from. She may have been worried about how she was going to take care of herself. But she knew something that other people may not have known at that point. She knew that God was the one that would provide. And it may not have been a financial provision, but God would be the one that would take care of her needs. She was able to give extravagantly Trusting that everything good came from God. So what does it look like for us to store up treasures in heaven? In one story, we see the rich fool who took everything that he had gotten 
and he tried to hold on to it. He had a selfish mindset and was focused on himself and himself alone. And we also saw this poor widow who gave everything she had to live on, knowing that God was the one that provides. God was the one that would take care of her needs. So what does that look like for us today? What does it mean for us here and now to live a life that is rich towards God, to store up our treasures in heaven? The first thing we need to realize is that it's not about an amount. God is not looking for the specific amount, but he is looking for the heart that you're giving it with. Maybe you're, you're new to giving. Maybe living a generous life and giving away this hard-earned money is something that is new to you. But how is God asking you to continue to store those treasures in heaven? Maybe the Holy Spirit's been working on your life. You've already been giving to the church. You're giving to other things. But how is God calling you to give more? Not just from a financial standpoint, but how is God calling you to give more of your heart? Treasure on earth is very self-focused and temporary. But treasure in heaven has a much longer return on investment. It's a financial term I learned. Treasure on earth, earth is self-focused and temporary, but treasure on heaven has a much longer return on investment. So where are you storing your treasure? Or where is God calling you to store your treasure? You know, we're getting close to the holiday season. And there are a lot of people out in the community that need help. There's families that can't provide Christmas. There's families that can't provide Thanksgiving. So I don't know if that is, you know somebody or that God will lay somebody on your heart. But I just want you to be aware. I want you to be open to the thought that God may be calling you to store your treasure in heaven and not hold on to it this year. But this is about money, and it's also not about money. Jesus tells us to store our treasures in heaven, but then he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. It's not a matter of just money, but it's a matter of your heart. God cares about your heart. He wants us to invest our hearts with him. That includes our money, that includes our time, that includes our talent. And this morning, I just want to give the opportunity that if you have never invested your heart with Christ, to be able to do that this morning. So in this room, I'm just going to ask that we bow our heads, close our eyes. And maybe the Holy Spirit has been working on your heart today. Maybe God is asking you to give him your heart this morning for the first time. And I just want to tell you that investing your life with Christ 
will be the best investment that you could ever make. It's not a a get-rich-quick scheme, but it's a trusting that God is your provider. Maybe God is calling you to invest your treasure in heaven in a different way. By living a generous life, giving beyond what you've been giving. Maybe it's a start giving. Remember, it's about money, but it's also not about money. So where are you storing your treasure? For those of you that are feeling God tug on your heart and you want to give your life to him this morning, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray that God would just provide no matter what needs you have, whatever hurts or worries or fears you might have. We just want to trust God with that this morning. So let's pray. Jesus, we give our hearts to you today. We know that life is full of different circumstances, different struggles. We may not know what's coming next, but God, we know that you are the one that provides. We know you are the one that takes care of our needs. We know that you care about our hearts. And so God, we trust you with everything that we are this morning. God, we just want more of you. God, I know that there's some of us in here who who have lived generously, but God, maybe you're calling us to more. Maybe you're calling us to live beyond what we have and just give with a new heart. Maybe it's money that you want us to give. Maybe it's our time. But God, however you are working this morning, help us to, to store our treasure in heaven. Let us not focus on ourselves. Let us not focus on what we have. God, help us to live with an internal mindset, partnering with you in your kingdom so that we can store our treasure in heaven, so that we can be rich towards you, whatever that looks like. And God, help our eyes be open to the opportunities that you're placing in front of us. Help our hearts to be ready to be able to give. Let us not waste the opportunity to show people how good you are. Jesus, we love you and it's in your name we pray.